Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote On this episode of Sports Illustrated Weekly, when Troy Aikman left for ESPN, it set off a chain reaction in the NFL broadcast booth for multiple networks. SI Media reporter Jimmy Traina breaks down the game of musical chairs involving Al Michaels, Joe Buck, and more. And later, WNBA star Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia for months. We have a report on her situation and how it's impacted the way women's basketball operates. But first, the NFL draft is upon us. ESPN's Mina Kimes joins me for a primer on the big event happening this week in Las Vegas. It's April 27th. I'm your host, John Gonzalez. From Sports Illustrated and iHeartRadio, this is Sports Illustrated Weekly. You can catch her on ESPN talking about all things NFL, and you can listen to her on the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Mina Kimes, welcome to Sports Illustrated Weekly. Thanks so much for having me. I want to discuss the upcoming draft with you and some other football topics. Before we do that, though, I want to play the part of your manager. When the Super Bowl was here in Los Angeles, it was very hot that week. Yeah. And you were on TV a lot, and you happened to be out in the sun with no shade. And I mention this because the draft is in Las Vegas, also famously hot and sunny. And I'm hoping that you have since demanded shade for this upcoming appearance. I have not, but I've had more time to think through what I'm wearing because the okay. Super Bowl draft, I, nobody really thought it was going to be that. You know, we live in LA. It's not usually that hot. We were taping in Anaheim, which is hotter than LA. But um, I, my first outfit, this is really sports talk, guys, was a leather <laughs> dress. So basically I was like, you could fry an egg on me on that day. So I'm, I'm better, I'm, I'm ventilated heading into Vegas. We do tape in the middle of the day, which is not great. And we are outside, but I'm going to do my best to cool myself. 
I'm hopeful for you that it will go better this time around. The other like draft-related show performance question that I had for you is, are they still having the actual draft like in the middle of the Bellagio fountain with the boats? Is that happening? I haven't heard what the plan is. I, I That was, of course, the plan in the early pandemic draft, right? And then they had to nix yeah. it and everything was digital. So I imagine they might go in that direction. Your wife would probably know better than me, John, if you want to just call her to the other room, being that she works <laughs> on the network. I could ask you're her. Like, I, not to, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to turn this on you, but you're like my favorite wife guy on Twitter. I just want to... <laughs> throw that out. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll take that as a compliment. I'm a big fan of her. She's very talented. It's Me Although too. I have said this before, I think I said it to Katie Nolan when she was on. It's tough when you're not even the most talented media member in your own house. That's how I feel with Lenny. He's very talented. Uh, we love Lenny. Uh, all right, let's talk about the actual draft. Talk to me like I have not paid any attention in the run-up here, <laughs> hypothetically. Uh, it feels to me for, from the outside that there's not a lot of consensus about where people are going at the top of the draft it seems kind of wide open. Yes. And I think that's why it's a really exciting draft because, you know, in recent years, they've kind of gone chalk. There's been a few surprises with the quarterbacks. But, you know, like last year, everybody knew it was going to be Trevor Lawrence and then Zach Wilson right before the draft. Nobody really knows what the first five picks are going to look like. When you look at mock drafts from various experts, they're all over the place, which I think is really exciting because. For a while, it seemed like Aiden Hutchinson, who's the edge rusher out of Michigan, was the clear number one pick for Jacksonville. Steps up in pressure and goes down again. Aiden Hutchinson with the second sack of the day. But then suddenly you have players like Georgia's Trevon Walker climbing up the board. Uh, there's speculation maybe they'll take a tackle. And there's a lot of questions about the quarterback position, which has been much maligned this year. Uh, it's been characterized mm -hmm. as one of the weakest classes in a while. But frankly, because NFL teams are so desperate for quarterbacks, it doesn't matter. Some of them will go a lot earlier than people think. And I think that's really makes this all very interesting. Yeah, twas ever thus on quarterbacks being overdrafted. And I want to get into that quarterback class in just a second. But, but let's start with the first thing, the first pick. Mina Kimes, general manager, who would you take? I would probably go with Aiden Hutchinson. I've actually oscillated between him and Evan Neal. I think Jacksonville, they've made some a lot of additions in free agency, a lot of, frankly, ill-advised additions in free agency. Their general manager is Trent Baalke. He's kind of like all over the place, uh, a little bit unpredictable. You know, as much as edge rusher is somewhat of a need for them, they have drafted edge rushers pretty high in recent years, like Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen. Yeah. I just think I look at this offensive line. I think if you're in the goal is to optimize the surroundings around Trevor Lawrence, who's the future of the franchise. They did franchise tag a left tackle, Cam Robinson, but I still think they could bring in Evan Neal, who could play both left and right. And he can also be like a cornerstone of the offense. I started with saying Aiden Hutchinson and then I pivoted halfway through my answer. I was like gonna sell you on Aiden Hutchinson and then I completely pivoted. <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean you could have sold me That's on That's how crazy because... this draft is. The quarterback class, as you mentioned, not a lot of hype around this group. And yet, per usual, probably some of them will be overdrafted. Who do you like among this maybe not illustrious quarterback class? So my QB1, and this does appear to be the consensus, although where he's taken, I think, is going to be a bit of a mystery, is Malik Willis out of Liberty University. Willis, quarterback draw, navigates, breaks a tackle. Malik Willis, touchdown, Liberty. In a class where there's no super high floor talent, I think there's some quarterbacks with reasonable floors, notably Desmond Ritter, who I can talk about next. He's a quarterback I like a lot, Kenny Pickett. 
as well. Malik Willis is the one guy who has the ceiling of a superstar. He also has a very questionable floor. There's a lot of knocks on him, takes too many sacks, ran a pretty simple offense at Liberty, questions about where he is in terms of being able to translate his skills to the NFL. But just from a tools perspective, the ball just explodes out of his hand. He's the best deep ball in the class. And then he's an incredible rusher. And I think the success of Josh Allen and the Justin Herberts of the world, Mm. and then watching that Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes game has made teams more likely or more willing rather to bet on the potential home run, even if it's a huge strikeout. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's good company too, because both of those guys that you mentioned, and Allen and Herbert, had some questions coming out, and now you know people rolled the dice and it worked out for them. Somebody you did not mention in that quarterback class, Matt Corral, the old Miss quarterback. I had to check on the pronunciation of his last name, by the way. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was Coral like the Reef or Corral like the OK Corral. So th- shouts to Connor Orr and Greg Rosenthal for helping me out with that. But I saw <laughs> his bowl game, Mina, and he played, and he ended up hurting his right ankle. Corral is struggling to get to his feet. He is in pain. And you know this time of the year, and even with these tradition-rich games, how many big-time NFL draft prospects have opted out. That was not the case. Matt Corral told Katie, he said, I didn't even think about opting out. I wanted this. And that's kind of a semi-new trend where some expected high picks sit out their bowl games and they want to avoid getting injured because it's a business decision, which I understand. But he ended up playing. And I'm wondering what you made of him playing and then how his status has been impacted as a result. Yeah, you know, I kind of hated the discourse around it at the time because either he was being upheld as this example of toughness and teamwork and this is why guys should play or, you know, should play despite the potential of injury. And then when he got hurt, he was held up as the, oh, this is why they shouldn't play. And they should, you know, and it's like, dude, if if you wanted to play, you wanted to play, whatever. But it's undeniable that his injury, I wouldn't say it hurt his draft stock dramatically, but it reminded people that, you know, he does have some injuries in his past. And he also has a pretty, like, I wouldn't say reckless, but very courageous style Mm. of play. (laughs) You know, he's going, he like leans into contact. The problem is he's very slight, unlike Malik Willis, who I mentioned earlier, who's like built like a, Mack truck, although he's only 6'1". And I think that has some teams concerned. Again, when you think about the transition to the NFL, you don't want a guy that small taking unnecessary hits the way Corral does. Where do you think he goes out of curiosity? Man, I would have said second round, but again, like often what you'll see is like a team trading into the first round, right? So they can get a quarterback and have the option to pick Mm -hmm. up the fifth year option on him. It wouldn't be my choice, frankly, You know, the other thing about him, other than the kind of scrappiness, I think scrappy is probably a better word than reckless, is uh, he ran an extremely, extremely college offense, very RPO-centric, and that makes it hard to project whether he can run an NFL offense. What is processing like? Because it was pretty one-read. It feels like you're not extremely high on him. Totally fine. I'm wondering who you are. I want to go back to the first round because if he's going to be outside of the first round, I'm wondering who you are high on in the first round aside from some of the other people that we talked about. Maybe even some guys that uh, you're higher on than other people might be. Non-quarterback division. Yeah, non-quarterback division. The entire Georgia defense. <laughs> okay. Just mutants <laughs> all around. It's insane. I mean, honestly, it's so fortunate that they won the national championship because if not, I think we would be watching these guys at the combine and then watching their tape and their pro days and think, man, Kirby, Stetson Bennett, their quarterback, like you really effed up. But they didn't, they won, which is great. 
And it's just like, like it's an all-star team. It's crazy. You'll, you'll watch one guy's tape intending to focus on, I don't know, Devontae Wyatt as a defensive tackle. And then you'll just get so distracted by the linebackers, some of which aren't even eligible for this year's draft. Um, I love a lot of them. I would say my biggest crush out of that group is Jordan Davis, who I'm sure you've heard about, um, who is, God, I don't have his weight in front of me, built like a sub-zero refrigerator, but moves <laughs> like a cat. Uh, he put on, I sure. would say, one of the best performances at the Combine, just athletic, like the 40, the broad jump, all of it just blew everyone out of the water. And then when you watch this tape, you see it. I think he's a really interesting draft projection though, because he is you know, a nose tackle and his snap count was limited at Georgia. So it kind of one of those things where super dominant player, super dominant athlete, but do we want to draft someone who's maybe not on the field that much in the top 15? I think that's a question teams will be asking. This is why you're one of the best in the business because you get really evocative imagery like Sub-Zero refrigerator and moves like a cat. Excellent descriptors. All right, so you're high on basically all of the Georgia defense. Who do we think might fall? Because one of my, I know it's probably not great for them, but one of the great things about the draft from a distance is the last guy in the draft room, in the green room where they're just waiting to get called. Mm. Who do we think might end up falling and having that Aaron Rodgers moment? I think it could be one of the quarterbacks, frankly, where you're watching him. I, I remember, shoot, in 2018, just when the camera kept cutting to Lamar Jackson and his mom, mm. and my heart was just breaking. And he was a prospect I loved. I wrote about him, went to his pro day at Louisville, and then uh, it was Ozzie Newsom's last draft with Baltimore. And then they they made the pick there after they took a tight end, by the way, he's no longer the team. And I just burst with happiness because the thing about falling is you might end up in a better situation, which Lamar Jackson did. He ended up with the perfect team, a team that was willing to actually design an offense around a skill set and, um, you know, appreciated what he's capable of. He could have ended up with a a crappy team. And so I think sometimes falling is not so bad. I would say more near the top of the draft, the two prospects that everyone are watching, everyone's watching to see if they fall out of the top five, 10, are Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher out of Oregon, and then Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU, both of whom I think were really, really hyped early in their college careers and then you know saw some production dip. I think with Stingley, the concerns are mostly about the injury, injuries in college, but I think he's just a future all-pro talent if he stays healthy. And then with Thibodeau, and I'm sure you'll, you're used to seeing this year after year, it's the murky like, he's quirky. He plays chess. (laughs) He sells crypto. Like there's all these murky, like, do teams like him? And, you know, usually that's just bullshit. Yeah, those like really nebulous ways of evaluating players that pop up, I've never really understood. But you're right. I mean, maybe as some of these guys fall, they fall to situations that could potentially benefit them. You know, fingers crossed for all of them. I wanted to ask you about some non-draft situations. Debo Samuel recently asked for a trade. And I'm wondering... What? Yeah, you're shaking your head. I, I want to know what you think is happening there. Dude, I have no clue. I've been actually asking people all morning what they think, people in and around the organization. You know, just like everybody's pretty puzzled because Debo Samuel hasn't given a reason, right? And, and so my immediate yeah. reaction was, oh, this is just negotiations. He's just trying to get from like, I don't know, whatever, 22 to 26 million or whatever. But it seems like that's not it, which blows my mind because- you know, if he just wants to leave San Francisco for nebulous reasons, it's one, one of the better NFL cities to live in, in my opinion. Yes, but also, I love San Francisco. Um, you know, he's got a brilliant offensive coach who has, I think, maximized his abilities. It's a great place to be. By all accounts, they do want to pay him. And then my question is, okay, well, if he doesn't want to be there, if he just 
waits another year. Like he can actually get past a tag to free agency and, and make all of the money potentially. So I don't know. This one's pretty confusing to me, frankly. And um, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. I am also curious to see how it plays out. I'm, I've got my fingers crossed. I'm I'm thinking hypothetically here that maybe a team with a surplus of draft picks in need of a wide receiver, perhaps East Coast based with a bird theme wearing midnight green. I don't know. I'm just, just like throwing out a bunch of criteria. Maybe it could work out for him. I'm sure they're on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I would like that. Uh, two more for you non-draft related. What have you made of the commander's financial fraud situation? Because every time something happens with the Washington football team, which by the way, they should have kept that as their name. uh, It's never good. It's always bad. And this is yet another example. It's kind of one of those things where, and this is true of a lot of things happening in society right now, not to expand it, where like Dan Snyder, the owner has had so many scandals that you stop believing anything can take him out. Yeah. And I think I tweeted this, like when the first story from, I think it originated with front office sports was the first report before it kind of became mm-hmm. public. I was like, it, in a way it's kind of depressing that he's more likely to be removed as an owner, which is something I firmly believe should have happened years ago because he held money. He, he's being accused rather of keeping not a ton of money, but some money from the owners as opposed to, the rampant sexual misconduct in the organization, including allegations levied against him specifically. I think that's also a pretty good mirror for society. Yeah, I mean, it's a damning indictment, not just of that organization, but of the NFL, right? That he has been accused of running this predatory workplace environment and being complicit in that. And that this one thing about holding back some money might be his undoing, although I still would bet on it not happening. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of incredible that the investigation started because of the misconduct allegations. And then one of the former employees was just like, hey, he also did this. And uh, that sort of (laughs) triggered this new round of accusations. Um, Man, I don't know what, like Jerry Richardson also accused of sexual misconduct, ended up selling his team. But there's no indication that Snyder ever intends to. And then also no indication that the other owners will push him out. Uh, Although, again, if this is actually proven, it might be the final nail. Well, now that uh, Congress is on it, I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it, you know, and work in bipartisan manner. Uh, Last one for you. The Browns are also being investigated. They're being investigated for tanking, which, you know, everybody made the joke that, like, why would the Browns have to intentionally tank when they've been doing it accidentally for the last two plus decades? Um, What's going on in Cleveland? The tanking stuff is part of the um, sort of float out from the Brian Flores lawsuit, which is mm-hmm. probably the most significant lawsuit brought against the NFL in a really long time and continues to grow, by the way, as other coaches have come forward and other pieces of evidence. I mean, you had Mike Malarkey, the former head coach of the Titans, basically, not basically, actually admitting in a podcast yeah. interview that no one listened to at the time that, you know, he witnessed a sham interview after he had already been given the job and the Titans were like, nah, it wasn't a sham interview. I'm like, your <laughs> former head coach is admitting it. He had, what is the, um, I think you should leave. Oh my God, he admitted. That's oh how I felt God. when that came out. <laughs> Shout out to the 10 people who understand that. But um, yeah, so the tanking stuff came from that. And of course, there's also allegations from Flores himself in Miami that the owner there, Stephen Ross, had offered that to him. I personally kind of doubt that either of those things will come to fruition. But, you know, Cleveland right now is, for many reasons, yeah. just embroiled in controversy. So 
I don't know if this even rises <laughs> to the this really, really highlighting the uh, excellence of the NFL right now. I don't know if this really rises in people's estimation of like, what are the most significantly the things going wrong there, I suppose. Yeah, really weird, like sideways times for Cleveland. And I have a lot of Browns fans in my life. And especially because of the Deshaun Watson situation, a lot of them have tried to take their leave. But uh, this was an excellent conversation, Mina. We really enjoyed having you on. Watch her on ESPN. Listen to her podcast featuring Lenny. If there was an NFL media draft, she'd be the first overall pick. Mina Kimes, thank you for this. Over Colleen? 1A. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? We're going to leave this all in. Uh, we're wow. going to find out if Colleen's listening. I, is this because I called you a wife guy? Are you trying to pull back from your wife guy image right now? I embrace my wife guy image, although I think it just took a ding. <laughs> it really did. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> After a break, we take a look at the big changes in the booth and the NFL broadcasting carousel. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. In week four of the last NFL season, 27 million people watched Sunday Night Football on NBC, and Al Michaels was on the call. All eyes tonight on Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. For 20 years, Tom Brady led the New England Patriots out of the home locker room. And tonight, Brady comes out of the visitors' locker room and a full house of 66,000. I've actually had talks through the years with Tom Brady and Drew Brees, and they get toward the ends of their career. And in a way, you know that the end is closer than the, the beginning or even the middle. I enjoy it. I'm exhilarated by it. 
I mean, it's really, it's an intoxicating thing to do this thing and be on the number one show on TV. That's Al Michaels on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast hosted by our guest today, Jimmy Traina. He's a media reporter for Sports Illustrated, and over the last few months, he's talked to most of the leading NFL broadcasters involved in this head-spinning carousel of high-dollar jobs. Jimmy Traina, welcome to Sports Illustrated Weekly. Thank you for having me. The godfather, legendary play-by-play man Al Michaels, who's been with NBC forever. He's the voice of Sunday Night Football. But next season, he'll be with Amazon. Why did NBC let him walk? Basically, they've had Mike Tirico waiting in the wings for a few years. I think when NBC brought Tirico over from ESPN, they thought maybe Al would start to slip and his on-air quality wouldn't be as good. But that never happened, so they ended up in this predicament where they had two top play-by-play guys so they can let Al go when his contract ran out, which is what happened, and bump up Tirico, who they had waiting in the wings, to take over Sunday night football. So Amazon gets their man, though, in Al Michaels, and they bring Kirk Herbstreet over from ESPN to pair with Michaels in the booth. Amazon is obviously making a huge push here. Here's Al on your podcast from last November. Well, I think Amazon is spending, uh, as far as I know, about <laughs> $1.3 billion a year to do Thursday. The NFL, I think, wants to see Amazon succeed at the very highest level because that may be the future of viewing sports, streaming. So what do you make of Bezos and Amazon being the exclusive home for Thursday night football? Money. That's what everything is about, money. (laughs) They shelled out the money. For some reason that I still can't really get a great answer on, Fox never really made a ton of money on the Thursday night package, I guess, because it was so expensive. So Amazon has... What's the phrase? Unlimited pockets, empty pockets, deep pockets, something with their pockets. All the pockets. Yeah, where Bezos can do whatever he wants. He became a player for this package. The NFL took the money, and we'll see what happens in terms of people finding the game. It's streaming only Thursday night. If the game involves your local team, it will still be on over-the-air TV. So if you're in Philly and the Eagles play in, you don't need Amazon. If you're in Chicago and the Bears are playing, you don't need. But if you're outside of those market, those local markets, then there is no other way to watch Thursday Night Football but Amazon Prime. So I get why Amazon did it. They're in the NFL game, and these streaming services are trying to branch out and become big players in the sports world. Live sports, still nothing brings ratings like it. And uh, that's why they want to get involved. And the NFL wanted cash. All these dominoes start falling in the offseason. Really, it starts with Troy Aikman, who was at Fox forever. And he left Fox and he jumps to ESPN, Monday Night Football, as you mentioned. You had him on your pod and you asked him a great question. Why did Fox let you go? And he had an answer that resonated with all of us. I guess what's perplexing to me is that I had no conversation with my boss until he called me to congratulate me on my contract with ESPN. I don't know. I I guess it's disappointing. I I would have thought that there (laughs) would have been a conversation at least. And then when I did talk with him, uh, when he called to congratulate me, I just asked for an explanation on some things that I didn't quite understand, and he opted not to do that as well. I guess that's where it's left. That's how I'll leave Fox, and and that's fine. Um, I'm excited about ESPN and thrilled to be continuing to work with Joe. We've talked 
a lot and read a lot during the pandemic about the great resignation. Here's Troy Aikman, a Hall of Famer, a longtime broadcaster, and Fox basically just says, go ahead, you can leave. What's going on behind the scenes? You're as plugged in as anybody. My guess is Fox didn't want to participate in this trend of exorbitant NFL broadcaster salaries, and they looked at a way here to cut down on some costs, basically, because Troy's contract was up. We know Tony Romo got massive money. Mm -hmm. Aikman wanted to be in that category and be up there with those guys. Is that what this is? Is is this sort of the Tony Romo effect that we're seeing here? It's actually the Peyton Manning effect. I mean, yeah. This is what it was. ESPN couldn't get Peyton Manning, so ESPN was going to make a play for Romo. And in order to keep Romo, CBS had to pay that huge monster contract. So Peyton Manning not going to ESPN is really what started this because then CBS overpaid for Romo. Well, not overpaid, but paid big for Romo. And then the dominoes fell as each person's contract was up. They wanted sort of to get in on that Romo stuff. I was surprised that Fox went this route and let Aikman go, but maybe we shouldn't have because towards the end of the season in the playoffs, he was doing the Eagles-Bucks playoff game. And he kind of hinted that he wasn't so thrilled about that. That game coming up, which is on CBS, which is the Dallas Cowboys hosting the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be a great game. Uh, I mean, a really good game. I think there's a lot of people that like to be calling that game. <laughs> but uh, should be a lot of fun. <laughs> I loved that. Afterward, I was like, you are a beauty. I can't believe you just said that on television. And I laughed. I, I was like, good, keep keep going, whatever. Let's have fun. Whatever the score was, it wasn't very close at the that's, time. That's great. Yeah, I, I think I've said this on Twitter, but Troy seems to have entered the like zero given zone. Yeah, he's 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 edged his way in there. You know me well enough to know that I'm all I'm all for that. Joe Buck has initially left behind. He's also been with Fox forever. And he's not only the face of their football coverage, but also their baseball coverage. And he also leaves and joins Aikman on Monday Night Football. Why did he want to make this jump? I mean, does he like working with Aikman that much? Yes. Um, Both of those guys, Joe and Troy, on my podcast, have talked about having a, a real friendship that goes beyond... Sunday afternoons calling an NFL game. I also think, and Joe alluded to this in my podcast, Joe's been doing this for Fox for 24, 25 years. He doesn't want to break in a new partner at this point in his career. He wants to keep what works and what's comfortable. It's been 20 years, and when you do these games that are as intense as they are, and I know where he's going, and he knows where I'm going, and I know what he wants to talk about, and he knows when and what I want to talk about, that, that's really hard to replicate. Joe was going to give up baseball after this year anyway. Oh, interesting. So Joe's plan was to do the baseball this year for Fox. I think it would have been his 25th World Series, if I'm not mistaken. And then his plan was to give up the baseball and just do football only. People should know he's not going to be doing baseball at ESPN. He's strictly doing Monday Night Football, and that's it. On the surface, Monday Night Football still a prestige night. And yet... ESPN kind of stumbled into this fun product this past season with the Manning cast. They got a great response for Peyton and Eli. So you have the traditional product with Buck and Aikman, but it's going up against another ESPN property with the Manning cast. And I'm wondering if that's complement or competition. 
compliment, 100%. Here's what people have to understand. I get that everyone loved the Manning cast. I loved it too. I thought it was great. You know, if you judge it just by social media reaction, you would think the Manning cast was the greatest thing ever. And it was a smash success no matter how you spin it. But the main telecast on ESPN, which had Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, Mm -hmm. and um, Louis Riddick, on a week-to-week basis had 12, 13, 14 million viewers. The Manning cast, 1.5, 1.6, 1.7 million viewers. People are still watching the traditional way more than the Manning cast. The Manning cast is is an alternative. It's an additive. It's not supposed to be instead of. I don't think Joe and Troy are even thinking about the Manning cast on any level because it's a fraction of what the total audience is. I'm curious too, Jimmy, what you think about Fox's move here because you have CBS paying big money for Tony Romo and Amazon paying big money for Al Michaels and ESPN just throwing a ton of money at Aikman and Buck. And Fox is making a different bet. Fox is making a bet that, hey, we're going to just find different guys and pay them less money and everything's going to be fine. Are they right? I think they're right. People are going to watch the game no matter what, if it's a good game. So I get where Fox is coming from. You also talked to Greg Gumbel of CBS, who's been doing this for half a century. And he basically said that he doesn't think that the palace intrigue is a big deal at all. Right. I've never felt in my entire life that there is an announcer who can bring someone to the TV set to watch a game that that viewer wasn't already going to watch. And I believe that the only thing that a broadcaster can do is chase people away. I know this for a fact because I won't name them, but there are three or four announcers that go, oh, I'm really interested in watching it. Oh, nope, click, gone. Because, oh, I would, I would love to know those names. Uh, maybe <laughs> off air, I'm sorry. But I truly believe that. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think that, that someone is yeah. going to tune in just to hear a particular person call a football game. And I appreciated that honesty. Mm. You know, I got into this with him a little. Is a sports fan going to put on a game strictly to hear an announcer? Probably not. And if there are any, yes, very small number. I do think... The announcer can make someone stick with a game maybe a little longer if they're not fully interested in the game. How many people? I don't know, probably not a ton. So it was very interesting to hear Greg say that. And like you said, 50 years in the business, he's done it all. So it it carried some weight when he said that, which was interesting. Yeah, I think he probably has a point. And yet I am uh, excited to see these people in new spots and to see how they equip themselves. You equip yourself well all the time. You can read him on SI.com and listen to him on the SI Media Podcast. Jimmy Traina, thanks for this. Anytime. Thanks for having me. After a break, our report on Brittany Griner's detention in Russia. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. As the diplomatic ties between the U.S. and Russia crumble, a WNBA star is caught in the middle. WNBA star Brittany Griner is being detained in Moscow as tensions ratchet up between Russia and the U.S. over the invasion of Ukraine. The 6'9 standout currently being held in Russia, accused of trying to import hash oil, according to Russian state media. BG is one of the stars of stars in this league. If it had happened to her, it could happen to anybody, is the going thought. That's Howard Megdal, a sports writer who covers the WNBA. We spoke with him about why Brittany Griner's detainment is so significant and the chilling effect it's had on her colleagues in the league, something that was recently discussed by WNBA Players Association president Neka Agumake on Good Morning America. BG is us. We are BG. You know, that could have been us. Um, we're really most concerned about her health and safety, especially her mental health. Uh, we're hearing that she's, in that respect, she's okay, but you know, we want, we want her home. All right, Howard, so Brittany Griner is obviously one of the best and most famous basketball players in the world, but tell us a little bit more about her and specifically what she was doing in Russia. Well, Brittany Griner was playing overseas on one of the best teams in not just uh, the Russian league, but the Euro league as a whole, starring for ECAT as a center, the way she's done every year during the WNBA offseason for a very long time. And that's not uncommon, right? I mean, a lot of WNBA stars play abroad to supplement their income, right? Yes, stars do, but throughout the league, there's a very common thing to play overseas. About half the league did it as of last year. There are some rules that are coming into place that are likely to change that independent of what's happening in Russia right now. But yes, it's a very common thing, especially for stars. Part of this playing abroad for WNBA players is because of the pay disparity, right? I mean, we know that in the NBA, players, whether you're a star or not, are very well compensated, but that's not necessarily the case in the WNBA, right? 
Very true. Now, that disparity is smaller than it was because of a new collective bargaining agreement signed in January 2020 that increased, for instance, the minimum salary from 119.5 to 215,000 immediately. Uh, the league also has these deals they're able to make with individual players that allow them to promote the league, stay here and make well over half a million dollars. But as uh, those familiar on the NBA side know, that is pocket change compared to even the minimum salary in the NBA. And so the opportunity to go overseas and make a lot more money doing it by playing there for a few months a year during the offseason is obviously very attractive to players who have, like all athletes do, a limited time window in which to make a living. We learned about her arrest after Russia had invaded Ukraine. And there have been instances of governments like Russia and China arresting foreign nationals to use them as pressure points to exert influence over other countries, almost kind of holding them as hostages for leverage. Do we think that's what's happening here? It's hard to say, you know, to know, to understand what Vladimir Putin has in mind is something that I think everyone is trying to figure out in ways that have geopolitical significance, not just women's basketball significance or even just as they relate to Brittany Griner specifically. But I don't think it's something you can rule out. It's clearly something that the Russian government has not been willing to engage on to the point that we found anything like a resolution. So Brittany's wife and her family have been relatively quiet about this situation after Griner was detained, as has the State Department. They've been very, very careful in the language that they've used. Clearly, they're trying not to inflame the situation. How's her wife and family processing all this? They've been keeping things very quiet and very internal. So it's it's a difficult thing to say, but clearly there is an effort that is being made. It is more public than it was at first. It was, to my mind, a bad sign when Russian state media made this public, that this was something that was ongoing simply because it was a sign that they were not looking to engage behind the scenes and come to a resolution about it and instead felt comfortable letting us know about it. The fact that there has been no real updates since then outside of this date that was put forward that she's being held until May 19th, there's nothing magical about May 19th. It's not as if they have promised she would be released on this day. It is simply the most recent status update. All right, so it's a really difficult situation, Howard, and you spoke with a bunch of people around the WNBA about this, and a lot of them told you how concerned they are for Griner, one of whom is Minnesota Lynx star Ariel Powers. Like, especially when it first came out, like, every time I was eating, I was like, damn, like, what kind of meal is BG having? Or, you know, when I was going to work out, I'm like, dang, she can't even work out and get ready for a season. Like, even touching the basketball, it's just like, it was kind of like sad because it's like you know that this could have been you this could be any one of your teammates like and it feels like we are helpless everybody is unbelievably concerned you know there is this feeling in so many players i've spoken to that there, but for the race of God, do I is the thing you can hear over and over again this very easily could have been any of us especially if in fact this was evidence, for instance, that may have been planted. You know, this is a very common tactic of the Russian authorities as well. And so there's a concern, there's a feeling of helplessness, of we want to do more, and players are afraid to even 
be vociferous in public, not knowing whether that is something that would be positive or negative. Yeah, it's a really delicate situation. When you spoke with Brianna Stewart from the Seattle Storm, she told you that she's trying to show support for Griner without necessarily drawing attention to her being detained because everything is so fragile. For the players here, we're just continuing to to represent her. Even if we're not speaking about her, we're representing her and supporting her. And I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, I talked about supporting her, her charity donations and, and the the places that she supports and doing that while she's, while she's not here and, and kind of in her intro. So the Russian courts extended her detention until at least May 19. What happens May 19, do we think, and what's next for Brittany Griner? It's a really hard thing to say. That That's what makes this so concerned to so many people, is we're in uncharted territory. You know, the idea that all these players who play overseas have to figure out what they're going to be doing in the fall when it's not necessarily clear what the Russian invasion of Ukraine is going to look like next week makes it very difficult to plot a professional way forward for so many people. And so this is something that obviously is affecting Brittany Griner to such a significant extent. But this has ramifications for the way all women's basketball players in the world are making a living. All right, Howard, obviously there's a lot of concern in the WNBA about Brittany Griner and her well-being, but you had also mentioned the new rules in the CBA and how it will make it a little more difficult for WNBA players to play abroad. Tell us a little bit more about that. So in the new CBA, there's something called prioritization. And it means that as of 2023, you need to report for the start of training camp or be fined and report by the first day of the WNBA regular season or be suspended for the year. Well, in 2024, that becomes you need to report by the first day of training camp or be suspended for the season. And so a lot of players are now going to have to make that choice one or the other, playing overseas or making sure you are in camp in time to play in the WNBA. So this is obviously a scenario that no one would want. That said, it does strike a lot of different people as a potentially beneficial thing to help reorder the way the WNBA exists within the pecking order of the world of women's basketball, professional basketball specifically. And so it will be fascinating to see what the stars do and even what the rank and file members of the WNBA do heading into prioritization over the next two years. Howard, you've done an excellent job covering this story. As more developments occur, hopefully we'll have you back. Thanks for this. Anytime. Sports Illustrated Weekly is a production of Sports Illustrated and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. And for more of Sports Illustrated's best stories and podcasts, visit SI.com. This episode of Sports Illustrated Weekly was produced by Cooper McKim, Jessica Yermoski, and Isaac Lee, who is also our sound engineer. Our senior producer is Dan Bloom. Our executive producers are Scott Brody and me, John Gonzalez. Our theme song is by Nolan Schneider. Thanks for listening, and if you've stuck around this long, we leave you with this. All right, Jimmy, so you're a noted Yankees fan. How will you feel this Friday, April 29th, when the Yankees play their very first game on Apple TV Plus? If I am home, 
I will be able to watch the game. I have Apple Plus. I know how to use it and all that stuff. If I'm not home and I'm in a restaurant, it's a Friday night. The Mets were playing the Nationals on Apple TV, and it was Max Scherzer's first thought. I did want to tune in just to see it for you know an inning or two. And I was at a friend's house, and he didn't have Apple TV, despite everyone on social media telling me this is not a big deal. Everyone has Apple TV. <laughs> so there you go. There's 162 games, so if I miss one here and there, it's not the end of the world. But it is amazing that baseball wants to anger the local fan when it's become such a localized sport. Listen, as an East Coaster myself, it's better not to anger us. So Godspeed to Apple. Yes. And the Apple reviews have not been pretty. Like I said, I didn't see the opening week because I was somewhere where they didn't have Apple TV, but I don't think I've ever seen anything in sports broadcasting get completely destroyed like the uh, Apple TV production of Major League Baseball. Nowhere to go but up. Yeah, well, that's true. That is true. There's There's the half full. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.